the Blaze Radio Network. On demand. Glenn Beck. Well, this kind of escalated quickly, didn't it? In four days, Christine Ford went from an anonymous letter writer to willing to testify before the Senate Judiciary Committee. Probably the most talked about person in four days. Probably the most talked about person in America yesterday. Now, what a surprise. She's a professor from a university in California who says that the Supreme Court nominee, Brett Kavanaugh, sexually assaulted her at a high school party in 1982. I want to be really, really clear. I don't want to discredit her. I don't want to uh, make a, a judgment on her or, or anything else. I want to s- set the record straight as we know it. She's made a serious accusation, in which Kavanaugh unequivocally denies. He said in a statement yesterday, I have never done anything like what the accuser describes to her or anyone. Because this never happened, I have no idea who is making this accusation until she identified herself yesterday. Kavanaugh said he's more than willing to talk to the Senate Judiciary Committee, even though he's already spent four marathon days in the hot seat where Democrats had every opportunity to grill him, but they failed to do so. Now, Christine Ford lawyer says Ford is also willing to do whatever it takes to get her story forth. To get her story forth. Is that your goal, to get your story out? Or is your goal to find justice? Interesting. She said she's willing to do it no matter what, even if it means testifying before the committee. Democrats, of course, are also willing to do whatever it takes to tell her story, which is probably why we were hearing it in the first place. Ford's lawyer, Deborah Katz, escalated the rhetoric yesterday, calling Kavanaugh's alleged assault attempted rape. Katz seems very convinced of Ford's story. But she wasn't as convinced by one of Bill Clinton's accusers in 1990. Katz told the New York Times in 1998 that she didn't think Paula Jones had a case. She also accused Al Franken's alleged misbehavior because she uh, he wasn't a senator at the time of the incident. So it's really interesting. You know, one one woman can cry, you know, uh, sexual harassment from a senator and she didn't have a problem with it. It's interesting in the Me Too movement. It's kind of a one-way street sometimes. Thus, postmodernism. For now, Judiciary Committee Chairperson uh, Senator Chuck Grassley says the committee's vote on Kavanaugh will go through this Thursday. But not if Senate Democrats can help it. They were out in force yesterday calling for a delay to the vote. At least until they have full control of Congress. You know, desperate times, desperate measures. It's Tuesday, September 18th. This is the Glenn Beck Program. So, welcome to the program. Today is September 18th. This is the uh, day um, that in ways I have uh, dreaded. It's weird because I've worked so hard on this uh, on this book. And today it is released uh, out in the public and everyone can read it. And I'm very excited about it. And at the same time, uh, I'm sitting here kind of like, you know, it, you know, if, you, if you've ever watched the like the greatest, you know, the great British bake bake show or bake off or whatever that is when uh, Paul Hollywood is eating something and then he's like 
and you can't tell if he likes it or not. I kind of feel like that today. <laughs> uh, so um, um, I urge you to go out today. Oh, and, me too. And yeah. grab it. Yeah, definitely ga- grab it. Because, <laughs> you know, today's the, today's the big day. It's a day we find out if uh, if this thing sells like four copies. You've poured your soul into it. For, for for like years, this, and is this a toy? Me. Is this going to be a total failure? We don't this know. Is, this, We're going to know today, though. <laughs> I can't wait oh, to see. Okay, all right. That's not really. <laughs> oh yeah, I'll be help. watching your reactions. Okay. <laughs> all right. Thank you, Stu, for the. Okay. okay let me let me. Uh, the reason why I bring that up uh, here is because that is the search for our unum. In the book, I talk about there's there's about. There, there's a section where I, I think it's uh, seven questions that we have to ask ourselves. And it boils down to, is this thing worth saving? Is the Western way of life worth saving? And you have to answer these questions yourself. And if you if you answer them honestly, you will be able to answer the last question. So is it worth saving? If it is, we have to pay attention and we have to find our unum. Now, our slogan as a nation has always been E Pluribus Unum. Let me take the Brett Kavanaugh thing and put this together. What is our Unum? What is it that brought people together? What is it that brought people from all over the world to come here? Was it capitalism? Mm, no. Was it the, you know, streets that were paved in gold? No, they don't exist. What was it? It was the idea that this is a place that believes in the individual and the Statue of Liberty represents that brazen giant that is going to stand there as a beacon and protect you from the people who want to keep you down. In America, we have the rule of law. Now, have we always done the rule of law? No. Look, look at look at Jim Crow laws. It's slavery as we were trying to abolish it. So, no, we haven't always lived up to that, but that has been our ideal. So we were a group of people that said, you know, there's 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 a certain way to live your life. And they happen to find that in the Judeo-Christian laws and and writings, the life of Christ, the teachings of Moses. That's what we set ourselves up for. So now you're writing a law. What do you what, what is that law based on? On what society says is right and wrong. And you're just codifying what you believe is fair and just. Now, I'm setting this up this way because I'm going to talk to you about the law here with with Brett Kavanaugh. And I know people want to say, well, that's the law. We don't have that standard. Yes, we do. The standard of the law is our societal belief of what of how things should happen and what's fair and what's just codified. It came from us. It's not this thing that's just floating out there. Well, that has nothing to do with me. No, our whole society is supposed to be that way. And we've written it down to make sure it is that way in a court of law. So. Here's the story with Brett Kavanaugh. Brett Kavanaugh is, uh, he's gone through his hearing. Uh, a woman decides she wants to come out with charges. Let's not judge it for right now. Let's, let's just, let's say she actually believes this happened and Brett Kavanaugh actually believes it didn't happen. Who do we believe? 
Well, she had a lie detector test. Well, a lie detector test is not scientific. There are ways to beat lie detector tests. And in the case of memories, especially one that's 34 years old, you can actually believe that this has happened. But that doesn't mean it did happen. All right. She comes forward and she says, I can't remember where I was. I can't remember what year it was. I think it was in the summer. I don't remember the house. I don't remember how I got there. I don't remember anyone that was involved, but I do remember Brett Kavanaugh. I do remember that he put his hand over my mouth and he tried to grope me over my clothes. I believe he was trying to rape me. I believe he was trying to rape me. Another person was there that I can't identify. She tells years later, 2012, she tells her doctor, her psychiatrist, about this. And she says, according to the psychiatrist, that there were four guys involved, which is different than what she's saying now. She says that the psychiatrist got that wrong. Okay, hang on. Which one do we believe? Do we believe her or do we believe the psychiatrist? Because both are being presented as people who are credible witnesses. Did the psychiatrist get it wrong? Because two sounds an awful lot like four. Or did she get it wrong? We don't know. But you have to decide that she is more credible than the credible doctor she is trying to hold up and say, look, I told him about this. Okay. So you have one person who is a chain in this story from 2012. She also has come forward and said, I also told my husband. Okay, so now you've got her husband. We should also point out that in the to the husband and also to the therapist, the name Kavanaugh was not included. It just Correct. said someone from an elite school. Correct. Like, so that, that, that's another part of this that's important. Right. And the only one she knows is 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 Brett Kavanaugh. No, she knew the other guy, too. Oh, and she, she named him, and that person also has denied it. Right. And all of their friends denied it on... on yes, yeah, 65 people that yeah, knew 65 people. So that, that's, not, that's not who they are. Okay. Maybe it is. Maybe it's not. So now that's what we have. Now, on Monday, they're both going to testify in front of Congress. And she's, let's just say, she believes that it happened. And he says, and he believes it didn't happen. Who do we believe? Do we believe the girl, the woman? Because why? She's a woman? Isn't that kind of talking down to women? Oh, well, she's a cute little woman, and 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 they're always so hurt, and she might have been hurt. No. Equal justice. Now, if you want to get into social justice, which is now postmodernism, okay, well, then that you have your decision. She is somebody who has been oppressed. She's an oppressed class. He is a cisgender male. So, no. We don't listen to the white man. We listen to the woman. Is that our social contract with each other? So let me take a break, and I'm going to tell you exactly how to judge this. How do we figure out what's really going on logically, reasonably, without anyone um, being outraged, without having to engage in any of that? 
because the minute we get angry about it, the minute we start um, tweeting and getting angry because we feel our back is up against the wall, we add to the chaos that is the goal of the postmodern professor. We add to the chaos which just helps decay our society and the Western way of life. So we mustn't do that. What we must do is use logic and reason and do not go over the cliff with the rest of humanity. I'll show you how this works next. We're in our Los Angeles uh, studios. I'm out here for the week, and uh, I'm sitting here in this. Uh, I think this is a Staples chair, Stu. You think this a, that's a nice Staples chair too, isn't it? I it's keep, uh, really comfortable. Yes, yeah. super duper comfortable. Yeah, I know. Mm-hmm. I'm uh, sitting in this office chair, and I keep reaching back. I told you yesterday, I'm I'm sleeping on this crazy mattress out here, and it's just my back is killing me. I keep reaching back to my chair to try to adjust my chair. I can't. It doesn't have any adjustments on it. So congratulations. I have found a chair that I absolutely love. They're a sponsor of ours, but I want you to know I'm not going to do a sponsor that I don't believe in. I have this chair and it's 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 the best for my posture and the best for my lower back. But it's not that's not what it's about. This is a this is just a great office chair. It's called the X chair. Most modern, stylish piece of furniture that you can own. I, I I saw when we first started um, buying furniture. I can't remember the name. There's some fancy designer. He does all the airport chairs, which are horribly uncomfortable. Um, and I uh, can't remember what the name of it is. They're the most popular worldwide because they're so beautiful. Well, okay, they're not that beautiful. And they also cost you an arm and a leg. Not the X chair. This is a, a piece of design that actually works. The design means something. The X chair, you will feel the difference. Now, if you are looking for a chair for your office or maybe even for everybody at the, uh, at the office and you're purchasing you know, chairs, please look into the X chair. It's on sale now for $100 off. Plus, if you go to xchairbeck.com, that's the letter X, chairbeck.com, or call 844-4X-CHAIR. The X-CHAIR will come with a 30-day, no-questions-asked guarantee of complete satisfaction. Plus, I think you get a free footrest uh, as well if you use the promo code BECK. So go to xchairbeck.com, use the promo code BECK. If it's, if it's not everything I say, if it's not the most comfortable chair that you've ever sat in in your office, just return it. No big deal. Plus, if you keep it, you also get the free footrest. 844-4X-CHAIR or xchairbeck.com. Addicted to Outrage. The new book from Glenn Beck, Addicted to Outrage, is available everywhere. Order it now at amazon.com. Hello and uh, welcome to the program. Uh, Let me talk to you um, a little bit about civil and criminal law it is based now on our societal norms we have a court system and we know that we don't want to put innocent people behind bars right so we have you're innocent until proven guilty and to vote guilty on a jury you have to be beyond a reasonable doubt now people will say well this isn't a court of law well 
we have societal norms. And right now, you're talking about destroying a man's life, destroying it. He is always, if, if he does not go on, he will always be known, and I believe he's already, already going to be known by some, as a rapist. That's a pretty big black mark. Just as heavy as going to prison. So beyond a reasonable doubt. Now, if you're somebody who says Brett Kavanaugh is guilty, beyond a reasonable doubt, may I ask what you are basing that on? Because what we have is one witness, one person, who is making this charge. There's only one. Maybe now two. Another woman apparently is coming forward and said, I was there too. Well, wait a minute. If that's true, then that goes against what the first woman has said the whole time. It was just her. So is there another witness? And does that hurt the credibility? There's no detail, there's no place, no year, how she got there, how she got home. My mother died when I was 15. I can tell you the date, the year, what school I was in, what class I was in, when I found out. I can tell you how I got to school. I can tell you everything about that day. Because it made an impact. Are you really telling me that a woman who felt she was raped... She cannot tell you what year it happened in. She can't tell you what house, where it happened. You should be able to describe the wallpaper. You should know exactly what it is because you were traumatized by it. Okay, so beyond a reasonable doubt, innocent until proven guilty. But let's just say you're one of those people say, well, that's criminal court. Okay, let's go to the lower court. Let's go to the civil court. This is the one that doesn't need all the evidence. This is the one that convicted O.J. Simpson. Okay, beyond a reasonable doubt, they had enough. If it doesn't fit, you've got to acquit. So they let a guy that we all now know and admit he killed his wife. Reasonable doubt. Okay, very high standard. Let's go to the civil court. Civil court is the preponderance of evidence. May I ask what the evidence is? The evidence is one person's word against another. Why does this matter? Why does this matter that we do not judge and destroy based on one person's word against another? Even if that person is wildly credible, even if that person is the Pope, Pope Francis shows up and he's like, I was there. I saw it. Why do we not take one person's word? Because depending on how you feel about that person, if you think the person who did it is a, a, a madman who's trying to take away all birth control, and the accuser is the Pope, who is just the greatest. He's hung the moon and the stars. Now it's a personality contest. That's not justice. That's not evidence. And the reason why this is important is, may I ask you, do you want someone to be able to do this to you? Do you want somebody to say, when I was in high school, you did, you raped me. And you will forever be uh, branded as a rapist. 
The answer to all Americans is no. You don't want that standard. You mustn't, therefore, deviate from our societal standards. Back. Mercury. We we continue to um, uh, talk about the Brett Kavanaugh thing, but in a different way than being outraged. Uh, this is what my book that came out today, it's available now, uh, Addicted to Outrage, is about. Without surrender, how do we change the dialogue? I'm not going to back away from this Brett Kavanaugh thing. I'm not going to back away from him. I'm not going to accept something that I think is unreasonable. But what society is doing right now is pitting two personalities or two parties against each other. You get nowhere except anger and chaos. That's, that you got, you, that's what you're headed for. So how do we change the dialogue? We have to disconnect from what society is pushing, and we have to look for the bigger principle, the unum, the thing that brought us together in the first place, and that is the rule of law. And a fair society or a society that tries to be fair. When you start looking at it that way and start arguing about it that way and you start asking your friends, would you want to be judged on this standard? I know you believe her, but based on what? Based on what? And that's an important point to bring up in that uh, this is being shown as like, okay, well, everyone aligns on parties here, right? There's lots of Republicans saying Kavanaugh didn't do it and lots of Democrats saying that he did, right? But these are not equal cases. There are a million reasons to be skeptical of her claim. It was years and years ago. She can't remember any of the key details. She, in the only piece of evidence she has when she told her therapist, she the, the number of assailants is wrong and Kavanaugh wasn't named. You know, she she brings it up and the most importantly, she brings it up in the middle of what is quite possibly the most important sexual uh, assault claim in United States history. We're talking about derailing a Supreme Court justice over it. I mean, you can argue what Clarence Thomas, maybe uh, Bill Clinton. There's a couple that fall into this, but and, there's very few that would arise to this level. And not only that, it is given to the opposing party mm-hmm. two months ago. They hold, the, it. they hold it. Mm-hmm. If they felt this was credible, they would have taken it forward. Right. And just and just human nature. Right. When a claim comes up at the absolute best time to knock down one of the biggest things happening in in, in American politics, you, ha- you start with skepticism. Right. So just that is an is is enough, I think, for everybody. If you took parties out of it to understand, you start here with some skepticism. Doesn't mean a, a claim of assault shouldn't be taken seriously, as we all know. However, on the other side of this, if you're a Democrat and you say, I believe her, you have absolutely nothing to support that. There is not any unless you have individual personal dealings with this woman and you found her credible over a long period of time something that by the way they throw out all the time uh, during me too uh, when we had you know like we talked about this with bill o'reilly like we had a long-term uh relationship with bill uh, that we, we had seen him in many different scenarios and it didn't seem like these things were things that he would have done but but even but they they dismiss that evidence whatever evidence do you think that's worth they dismiss that immediately but even that mm-hmm. i don't have 100 percent faith no 
I'm beyond a reasonable doubt. Bill on the air. Right. I'm beyond a reasonable doubt. You could present evidence and I could go, Bill, really? Yeah. And if some new evidence popped up, right, like you go into it. But my point, though, is that unless you know this woman. You you have you nothing. Have nothing. You, have, you nothing. have absolutely nothing. And here you are claiming that you believe this person. You can't believe this person with the information we have now. Evidence may come out that may convince you, but there is nothing on the public record that is convincing at this point. It is only partisanship on that side of the argument. Okay. Here's what I... Would you do me a favor? Look up Statue of Limitations for Sexual Assault in Maryland. That's where this uh, apparently happened. Okay, yeah, so we have, uh, let's see, um, so there's two standards, okay. and I think, of course, you'd see the parties align among these two standards. Mm-hmm. If it's felony sexual offense, then there is no statute of limitations. Well, what is a felony sexual offense? He, he touched her over the clothes. That is what was the, right. So, I mean, right. I would, especially as a, what, seven, 17-year-old, were they? Yeah. As a 17-year-old, I would assume that this, even as described, if accurate, would be a misdemeanor offense, which would only have a one-year statute of okay. limitations. now. Let me go back, and I'm going to argue principle. Let's not bring in Kavanaugh. Let's not bring in the politics of this. Let's just focus on our unum, the principle that brings us all together, a fair and just society. Why do statute of limitations exist? They exist because it is a well-known and established fact that memories change. Also, People change. Depending on how but you murder somebody, you rape somebody, there is no statute of limitations. But she is not claiming rape. So the statute of limitations in the state is one year. We're now looking back 37 years. 37 years. We have to look at her memory, his memory. We have to look at the facts. Well, there there are no facts. This is why I wrote in my journal today, you must alert the police. Another societal norm. You must alert the police. Well, if I was raped, I don't want people to know it. Okay, then write it down in your diary. This is not talking about the past. This is talking about right now. What we need to do to fix this society is write these things down right now. Something happened to you last night? Write it down. Tell a friend. Tell a couple of friends. People that you can trust. Tell the police is the right answer. Always. However, because, you know, you're, you're, maybe you're not ready. Maybe there's other reasons. You must at least... Write everything down. And now it's, you know, especially today, you need to put it somewhere where it can be time stamped with every detail. You, you, I, I don't know. How, I, honestly, no, I, I, I don't I, want, I, it's got to be the police. It's got to be the police. But, and, and I understand that that's very difficult, but I hope this is what we can achieve with Me Too. Right. Right. We can all talk about how, well, I'm glad we got Harvey Weinstein in trouble because he was a dirtbag many years ago. And we can look back and all that stuff looking back. I'm not going to say it's not important. It is. If someone did, if someone committed a crime, they should be held responsible. But going forward, hopefully, the 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 acceptance of Me Too and people encouraging it and, and obviously thinking that it's a very positive There's development no for people who did these crimes. Hopefully that cures the idea that you can't go to the cops okay. because we should go to the cops. We can get evidence. We can look into it. We can see, we, people get a chance to defend themselves. People get a chance to make the accusations with real evidence to support it. And we can actually figure out who did these things.
Now, here is the problem. This is why this makes a difference. How old was Brett Kavanaugh? How old was he when this happened? About 17, right? They like think that. he's 17, but she cannot remember the year. Yeah, she said she thinks it is she sophomore thinks. year. She um, thinks. And it was, she, think, she thinks it was 1982. Okay. But it, she thinks. She certainly can't get the month right, which is really tough to, for a defense, right? If Brett Kavanaugh went on vacation to Europe for six weeks in the summer she's talking about, it would still mean nothing to the case because she'd say it happened in one of the other weeks. So, I mean, there's literally no way he could defend this claim. So, he's 17, could be 16, could be 18, could be 15. We have no idea. She does not remember the year. She doesn't remember the month. Let's just say he's 17. If it is uh, sexual assault, not felony, misdemeanor, over the clothes, what, what does that mean? It means, most likely, he would be tried as a juvenile. Now, why do we have juvenile court? We have juvenile court for this one reason, because we as a society feel that people make mistakes and they even do things like murder. And it needs to be tried as a child. It needs to be tried as someone under 18, because even murder, our society feels Let's not destroy their whole life. Let's give them a chance because we all make mistakes. I mean, I didn't murder anybody, but that's the most extreme case. We all make mistakes. It shouldn't haunt them the rest of the world or the rest of their lives. So what happens to that record? It's sealed. Why is it sealed? Because we know the pasts of your childhood, the past and the, and the, the mistakes that you made at 17 and under can be opened up and used against you when that was something that doesn't represent who you are at this time. It's very unfair to anyone. Accuser, the victim, and the the perpetrator. If you're a kid and you're not allowed your day in court with real evidence... Close up to it, a year in, in, in Maryland, so you know all of the details. You can go and reconstruct it. 37 years later, you can't. So we have the Statue of Limitations. We also have criminal justice. We also have sealed documents. And why do we seal those documents? Those documents can be seen if you start to murder people again. But not by the public. We believe as a society, and this is why we codified this, that what you do as a kid, as long as you've changed your way, you go to jail. Why? Punishment, but also to change your ways in hopes that you will get out and you will be a better person that never does that again. Everyone in his life, everyone in his life says, that's not him. That's not him. I've dated him. I dated him at the time. That's not him. He wouldn't do that. All indications, he lives an honorable life. Well, isn't that what we want from our justice system? Justice didn't happen back then because she didn't report it for whatever reason. No blame on her. She just didn't report it. 
you lose the ability to in in uh, in to uh, um, uh, to inflict or to demand justice on some things if you don't report it. So now we're taking a guy who, if she would have reported it, would have served his time, would have changed, which he did, lived a clean life. Would it be fair for us to unseal those documents and say, oh, by the way, did you know that he murdered someone? Did you know that he raped someone? That's that's not what she's charging. She's charging sexual assault which would have been handled by the courts he would have paid his price he would have hopefully changed and led the life that he has led what justice is done here seriously what justice is done if it was something that had no statute of limitations rape murder maybe you could argue it maybe but the po- part of the point of justice is to rehabilitate. There's no indication he's ever been. He's not. He's like this. No indication. No, no. And, you know, it's a it's a situation where you have you have a person who's gone through, you know, this is this is obviously I mean, this is a guy who never dealt with any of this stuff. He was not a political figure. He's not an elected official. So his family has never dealt with any of this. And all of a sudden, you know, he's being called a rapist with no evidence at all. And, you know, the reason why you want to you want to go to the police and have a legal uh, view of these things early is because you can find evidence and prove things. Prove. Remember the word prove. Has this woman proved anything? I mean, it's insane to think that she hasn't presented any reason unless you know her personally, maybe and just find her credible and, that, that, that you would believe her. And what is the what is the what is the hearing on Monday going to do? And it's just a, here's a public performance test. That's it. Will Kavanaugh stumble? Will he say the thing, something the wrong way and phrase something cry? badly? Will, Will she, she be cry? Will he be sweating? And now that a Supreme Court seat is going to come down to a little performance theater. It's insane. Those, that is not evidence. That is not evidence. You, ask yourself and ask your neighbors, do you want this standard And they'll say, well, I didn't. Doesn't matter. Because we seem to be in an ever-changing world. Do you want this for you or your children? The answer, anyone who answers honestly will say no. That's our unum. Car Shield is our sponsor this half hour. Car Shield is the best place. I mean, Car Shield is um, insurance really for your car. Uh, that when it breaks down, you don't have to worry about it. I, I took my car in last year. It's a truck it's up at the farm. Took it in, I don't know, eight months ago, a year ago. And I brought it in for an oil change. That's it. Just an oil change. Come back, and I think it was a six or $7,000 bill. And the reason why I don't know the, the exact price, I don't remember it, is because I didn't have to pay it. I just remember going, wait, what? And they said, don't yeah, don't. don't call me. Call Car Shield. <laughs> yeah, call, call Car Shield. <laughs> Have you called Car Shield? They covered that. It's because they cover the things that are really expensive in today's world that when they go bad, you don't want to pay for. Uh, they do. 
Now, deductibles may apply depending on what's going on, and not everything is covered, obviously. But if you have a car that doesn't have a warranty anymore, get your car covered by Car Shield. Believe me, one time, one time, it's all worth it. If your car has 5,000, 150,000 miles on it, doesn't matter. Call them now. 800 Car 6100. 800 Car 6100. Mention code BECK or visit carshield.com. Carshield.com. Use the promo code BECK. You'll save 10%. It's carshield.com. Promo code BECK. Deductible may apply. In the book, Addicted to Outrage, which comes out today, I talk a little bit about uh, China and what they're doing now. Uh, with monitoring their system, their their citizens, and what they are officially launching nationwide uh, in 2020, and it's terrifying. It's already it's already happening. People are already going to jail. People are already being oppressed. They've run. Uh, they've uh, they've rounded up a million people and put them behind bars, and they're building more re-education camps. Uh, and it's all based on an algorithm of who you are. Well, that algorithm is already here in America. So far, the government's not doing anything about it, uh, but we have it, and I, I want to I want to show it to you when we come back. Hey, it's Glenn, and you're listening to the Glenn Beck Program. If you like what you're hearing on this show, make sure you check out Pat Gray Unleashed. It's available wherever you download your favorite podcasts. Glenn Beck. Okay, how's this for some comedy? You ready? A crass, hacky feminist comedian. Visits a crabby, delusional millionaire. Let's say he's, uh, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just brainstorming here. Throw, throw stuff up. Uh, let's say he's 77 years old and, uh, and he's in government and he is a Marxist that wants to turn the United States into land of Che Guevara, uh, you know, and free money. It's so far. It, this is really good, right? Now, who do we get? Uh, let's see. We could get, um, Roseanne Barnell, Sarah Silverman, oh, oh, and Bernie Sanders. So uh, just to line this up. So Silverman meets Sanders as part of, a, let's say, she's doing a new show, and they meet at the the Senate office building where all these senators are there, including Bernie Sanders, and they start to do an interview. Listen, this is how it goes. We can't even use dirty words. This is the United States Senate. I can't. No, you know, it's not. We, we, we just um, starve little children. We go bomb houses and buses of children. And we give tax breaks to billionaires, but we don't use dirty words. No, not the S word that means poop. That's right. We don't do that. <laughs> okay, see where I'm going with this? See where I'm going? Okay, so he's talking about, you know, we starve children to death and we and we bomb people and it's so it's so funny. Then at some point I see in this scene, now we just just go with me, this I'm just throwing it out there. Uh she uh uh Sanders says, use your indoor voice because you're too loud, okay? And uh and then he says, We, we can't even use these dirty words as United States Senator. I can't. No, of course not. We just starve children and uh, and uh, and we blow up buses of children. Because remember when we did that? Oh, it'll be so funny when people remember how we blow up buses of children. Uh, and then we give tax breaks to billionaires and stuff like that. Boy, this is going to be... I'm giving this to you as my free gift, America. If you're a comedian, maybe you're, maybe you're Sarah Silverman. Celebrity voice impersonated. Uh, and And maybe you want to do this. I think... Correct me if I'm wrong. I think 
There's a lot of money to be made off of the hatred for Donald Trump. I just think you could just get rich right now. You know, maybe Borat could do that. Oh, I know. Michelle Wolf. Now. Now, if she did it, she's not funny. And then she'd probably get a show and then be canceled right away. Okay. Scratch the Michelle Wolf idea, but pretty much everybody else. I mean, imagine, imagine if they used all this talent and energy trying to find ways to actually be funny, what they could accomplish. It's Tuesday, September 18th. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Do you think that's, do you think that's much different than what Bernie Sanders actually believes? Um, no. Yeah, I don't either. Not at all. No. I don't either. Yeah, that's pretty much it. I mean, it's interesting. You've been, uh, this is a good moment, I guess, for this, because you have been saying this forever, and I think you lay it out in the book really well. It's, it, I think a lot, and a lot of people, understandably, have not uh, been able to get on the same page with you on this. I'm putting that gently. Yeah. You're uh, talking about addicted outrage available everywhere today. Go buy is. a copy. Yes. Uh, people translate when you're talking about uh, changing the way we speak. Uh, changing the way we attempt to win people over to our point of view or to just converse with them. People see that as a surrender, right? You're just you're just giving up. You're surrendering the left or to keep hitting you in the face. Mm-hmm. And when you hear things like this Bernie Sanders clip today, uh, I mean, it really highlights it. This is not a person who's looking to find common ground with you on the Bill of Rights. Right. This is not a person who's looking to say, you know what, capitalism's pretty darn good and we've come a long way. This is a person who wants to tear down the foundations I, of this country. I want you to know, I don't include anybody in Washington in that. In, in what I'm saying about, hey, we've got to come back together, we have to find our unum, I don't include anyone in Washington. Because if they actually believed in the Bill of Rights and the Constitution, they would take their oath seriously and they'd already be protecting it. But they're not protecting or defending. They're tearing it apart. So I don't include people uh, in politics. I also wouldn't include people who uh, are, you know, radical Marxists uh, who are are uh, openly moving us down the postmodern war uh, uh, world. You know, if if you're going down that road, the postmodernist goal is deconstruction to deconstruct the Western world. My thought is, I'm looking for the people who don't want to do that. Or maybe at some point did, but it was more in theory, and now they're seeing, oh my gosh, everything is going to be taken apart. I mean, there's not going to be society. The, the line keeps moving. I We had dinner last night in a private place with... Uh, I would say a fairly famous person last night. Would you say that? Mm-hmm. Somebody that pretty much everybody knows. Um, didn't have it in a public place because it wouldn't go well for him. You know, just or the, you or me. Uh, it, it just wouldn't go well. Um, however, now I'm not sure if this person means it because this person is a somebody way on the other side has been. But spoke of, and not using these words, pivot points. Pivot points of seeing my son born and seeing what's happening in the world. Seeing my son go to school and then 
going, wait a minute, wait a minute, this isn't right. Seeing my son, I mean, I don't know how many times this person said, there's not going to be a country left for my son because it's all coming undone. And I said to this person, yeah, it's kind of hard not to say, yeah, that's what you were trying to do. Uh, And the person, again, talked about pivot points. That person I can have a conversation with. I don't necessarily know if I'm going to embrace because I don't know who's playing a game and who's not. But I'm willing to have conversations with and then watch actions. And this person said, we've been taking apart the columns and arguing about the columns of the structure the whole time. And none of us have paid any attention to the foundation and everything in me, everything in me wanted to stand up from the table and say, uh, I've been talking about the foundation, the principles of the Bill of Rights and the Constitution. And so have millions of others for years. But nobody wanted to talk about that. But I didn't. Instead, I said, you're exactly right. So what is what is that foundation? Well, the Bill of Rights and the Constitution. I didn't need to point at him and do that. He was already there. Those are the people, and those people are going to become more and more common. Now, not in the political realm, and not those who see everything through the eyes of politics, but I do believe more will wake up. This person said, I mean, I, I don't want to I don't want to quote this person at all. Can you characterize at all the things when we were standing in the kitchen and we're all like, uh, are you willing to say that out loud? Yeah, we should we should be careful here. Um, but many of the complaints, I would say, that the right has had uh, over, uh, you know, uh, a myriad uh, over a myriad of issues um were echoed from someone prominent on the other side. And it was it, there's a common frustration, I think, between you know this audience and a lot of people who look at the way uh, the world has been twisted uh, and and the line that is moving every day. What you said, you know, for instance, Obama was not pro-gay marriage. It was Joe Biden that forced him into that <laughs> position. Blurted it out, <laughs> right? Yeah. So he wasn't pro gay marriage. And he probably was, but he was that he wasn't was a not public willing position. to say it. Right now, Barack Obama should be viewed as in a postmodern world as an oppressor because he wasn't for gay marriage. If if you say something today and the standard from the postmodern left moves. You now have to be 100% in lockstep, and you now have to adopt that one, too. And this one, and the next one, and the next one, and it's constantly moving. That's not reasonable. Yeah, and you go into this uh, a lot in the book, um, uh, but it, it's it's like the, the the philosophical underpinnings of all the weirdness, right? Like, you know how you just get up, you're like, what are you, what are you talking about? You need a safe space. What are you talking about? You need uh, you're, there's 180 genders. What do you mean? What, this what? Where did this come from? Why all of a sudden? If if I, I'm in 2016, 
uh, I, I'm the worst hate monger in the universe for opposing gay marriage. But in 2011, you know, Barack Obama, the most liberal guy, uh, you know, the president of the United States, ran. He remember he ran to the left of Hillary Clinton when he won in 2008, mm-hmm. and and he was he said marriage is between a man and a woman. How in that short of a period of time can it go from completely acceptable for a hard left person in our mainstream politics, Barack Obama, to have that position? And then on the, and then just a few years later, it's insane for anyone. In fact, you can't even be a liberal and and hold the position Barack Obama had five years earlier, let alone a conservative. And that 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 is so jarring to everyone. And it feels like the whole world is spinning out of control. And we do one of you know, we do a couple different things. We get really annoyed at it, outraged. Right. We laugh at it and mock it. And there are understandable impulses, but the book outlines what the philosophy is behind why that's happening. And it's wh- intentional. And why, I mean, I, I, I can say this now in the strongest terms, and I can back it up. You and Pat always were like, I, you know, Glenn, I love the heart of this. I love it. But I just feel like I'm, it's a surrender. Now I can fully say, because it took two years of research mm-hmm. uh, and, and trying to line it all up. It's not a surrender. It's a path to win. It's a path to save the republic. It's not a surrender. You do not change your principles. You do not stop engaging. You you engage differently. Okay? You have to begin to engage differently. And if you understand the underlying philosophy of postmodernism, what is it? In a nutshell, it's deconstruct. Deconstruct what? Everything about the Western way of life. All the hierarchy, all the patriarchy, everything, science, mathematics. Don't get angry when somebody says math is racist. Don't be confused. Of course it's racist to them. Because their job, their philosophy is to deconstruct anything that helps prop up or build the Western way of life. That includes math. So you've got to take math and science out. And that's what's scaring so many people who were uber left. They thought there would be reason, but there's never reason in radicals like this. There's never reason. This is why communism always ends the same way. We have a guy who's on our podcast this weekend, Michael Reckenwald. Amazing. He was a communist. He was a communist postmodernist professor. Now, he deconstructed the English language and and literature. But he wasn't he didn't buy into the whole postmodernism crap. He's he, he tolerated it and understood it and used it in some cases. But he was a he describes himself as a libertarian communist. I asked him, "What the hell is a libertarian? That's not possible. It's an oxymoron." He said, no, it's a communist in theory. I think we can do it right next time. He said, but as I see what's happening now, I realize we're not going to do it right. This is going to end in millions dead. If we just lump everyone together and we're swinging back at people who are trying to deconstruct and cause chaos, we lose our principles we lose our reason which is what they're trying to destroy reason science thinking things through if you're angry you cannot reason 
And you've got to reason. And if you don't, if you just lash back, you actually aid the enemy in trying to destroy us. So like last hour, we talked about Brett Kavanaugh. I showed you how to argue for Brett Kavanaugh. But it's not arguing for Brett Kavanaugh. It's not picking a side. It's showing what brought us together in the first place, which is our principle of fair and equal justice. We all want to live in a fair society. We all want justice. Okay, so let's apply those principles to the Judge Kavanaugh mess. How do we navigate through those principles? That is not surrender. That is the winning path. The path we're on now is swing back and call them names. That is the path to chaos. You can read all about this. The book went on sale today. It's in bookstores everywhere. I urge you to uh, I urge you to pick it up. Share it with a friend. It, it has been written in a way that should appeal to anybody who is reasonable. Even if they don't like me, they, I think, will be able to tolerate this enough because I wrote it with them in mind and you in mind. Um, so... It's a very different book, different than anything else I've ever written. And I believe in this path of not, I hate to say the word winning, the, the saving the West, saving our children, because that's what it's about. All right. Sponsor this half hour is my Patriot Supply. You know, one of the reasons, one of the reasons why uh, we, we couldn't, uh, we, we didn't do anything in Puerto Rico is not because of the president and not because we don't see them as Americans, but because there were three major hurricanes and a massive wildfire in California all in the same summer. And FEMA had nothing left. No scenario that FEMA has ever put together includes three major hurricanes and a major wildfire. That's why. So now what does that mean? That means when things really get bad, they're not going to be there. You need to have your own survival tools. You need to you need to rely on somebody that can help you put them together so you don't have to rely on anyone when the time comes. They have helped hardworking Americans just like you prepare and become more self-reliant over a decade. They sell hundreds of items, emergency survival food kits, gravity-powered water filtration systems, which are off the charts great. MyPatriotSupply.com. Go there now. MyPatriotSupply.com. Could be a Category 4 hurricane, an earthquake, wildfire, cyber attacks. God only know. You know what? Martians could come down, and I wouldn't be surprised at this point. And if the Martians come down, I could predict what will happen. The stores at the grocery stores, all the shelves will be empty. Don't do it. Just go to MyPatriotSupply.com right now. MyPatriotSupply.com. So, have you been following the um, the Sunspot Solar Observatory? A little bit. A okay. little bit. What do you know? There's some solar observatory. Uh, I mean, it, doesn't they, that bother you? The first thing is like, don't look directly at the sun. We've <laughs> yeah. got a giant telescope looking directly at the sun. And uh, it closed down without explanation. 
uh, a lot of people jump to it's got to be aliens, got to be sunspots. We're all about to die. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was kind of the conspiracy theory that went around there. You know, one of the defenses of it was there was another nearby facility that was also evacuated that had nothing to do with solar type of uh, mm-hmm. studies. Um, and then I lost track of the story. Okay. I would say is where right. I am right now. So the one thing you left out is it wasn't just closed down. It was closed down quickly. Mm-hmm. And it was closed down by Black Hawk helicopters. Yeah, I don't okay? think I knew that. Yeah, right. And the FBI and Black Hawk helicopters uh, arrived at the location. They called the local sheriff and said, "We need you to put a perimeter around this place." It was the FBI and Black Hawk helicopters that came and shut this thing down. Okay, why is the question? Okay, a couple of things, and you kind of alluded to them, and I don't believe any of these. But I want, to, I want to tell you what people have said, then I want to tell you what the FBI has just come, I'm sorry, law enforcement officials have just come out and said, which is supposed to calm our nerves, but it doesn't, to me at least. I just read it to Stu off air, to calm your nerves? No. No, no it's, I actually wish it was aliens or sunspots. Um, and then I'll tell you what I think it is, but... People are saying that this observatory caught proof of aliens. Okay, I don't believe that. Um, Maybe. I mean, I believe in aliens, but I don't believe that. They also said maybe they found that it was a, you know, there was a solar flare and it's going to knock out everything. And, you know, we're going to have this big thing that hasn't happened since 1860, which would we'd all starve to death. I also don't believe that because why only this observatory? What they said to calm your fears next. Back. Mercury. If you're a long-time listener to the program, you know that I'm a big fan of Orson Welles. Uh, in fact, Orson Welles is the reason, one of the reasons why I wanted to do my job. I started listening to him and others, uh, not just War of the Worlds, but uh, you know, The Shadow, which he played. Because radio can... Radio can be so descriptive, and it's it's a partnership. It's a partnership between me and you. As I describe things to you, you can see them. You can smell them. They become real because you're using your imagination. You're not just using me. You're partnering with me and creating these, these images in your head. I love that. People, are, people just think that, oh, you know, people back in 1929, they were old-timey. And they thought, you know, Martians were coming and, uh, and they were going to, you know, destroy the world. How could they be so stupid? Well, if you actually know, actually, it's 1929, it's 1939. If you actually know what was happening in America at the time and why that story was selected by Wells uh, to be a broadcast, it was because we had heard of aliens coming here to destroy us, Germans that were coming from a far distant land uh, and they were going to uh, destroy us with all of these super weapons that they were that they were um, uh, building. So when people heard an invasion, when they heard um, super weapons and heat rays and everything else, that was already in their psyche. And so it, it didn't take a lot to push people into hysteria because they didn't know what was true. They didn't know what wasn't true. Uh, they trusted people more than we trust people now. Uh, and, and so it became real to them. 
let me talk to you about aliens for a second. How many of us at 20 years ago would have been shocked if all of a sudden the government came out and said, oh, by the way, uh, there's alien life. And uh, and I don't mean it's like it living in a rock on Mars. I mean, it's it's got four legs, 16 eyes, and uh, we've had a couple of visitors in the Oval Office. How many of us would have been, wait, wait, what? And your world would fall apart. Today, if you said, and it's got 16 eyes, you'd be like, oh, Bernie Sanders? No, I mean real aliens have been in the Oval Office. Oh, what'd they say? Right? Would you be, would your world fall apart if you found out that aliens were real? I wouldn't. But yours, Stu? You think most people's world would fall? I mean, yes, there would be panic because the news would be like, ah, oh, aliens. Well, but they do that about everything. So yeah, there's no longer. Just, we're so constantly on alert for every I, huge problem. Every little problem turns into a huge one. So I think there would be people that would be like, oh, do they bring their vaporizing gun? Because oh, I'm tired of this. I mean, you, you know? get to the point where you're almost almost praying for destruction. OK, <laughs> so. So let me let me tell you now that I'm going to read to you the story uh, about the closing of the Sunspot Solar Observatory. Now, this is from a credible source. It's from the Kansas City Star. They reported on it uh, and they're they're basically saying, you know, there's not aliens and, and, and we're pretty sure there's not sunspots that are going to knock us all back to the Stone Age. Let me read this. The group that manages the facility announced on the observatory's Facebook page Sunday that it had been cooperating with an ongoing law enforcement investigation of criminal activity that occurred at Sacramento Peak. That's where the observatory is. Now, remember, what this story is, is that Black Hawk helicopters and the FBI shut this observatory down told everybody you have to leave and you have to leave right now get out of your desk and leave people who were asked to leave actually i thought it was the fbi but it wasn't it was the people that were asked to leave called the sheriff and said to the sheriff we're being asked to leave i don't know why but can you guys come and just watch this and observe because they're not giving us any answers so it was the people that were being asked at the observatory to leave that were very uncomfortable with this now the next question is, what does it take to get the Black Hawk helicopter keys thrown your way? I mean, it's not like, hey, there's something happening up at the observatory. Can we just take the Black Hawk? It's a lot faster. That doesn't happen. Not in U.S. airspace. A Black Hawk helicopter comes and supports the FBI? I don't know if you know this, but the FBI doesn't have the keys to one of those. So we know that Black Hawk Helicopter, at least one, accompanied the FBI. They told everybody to leave. Now, they're now law enforcement saying is they were cooperating with an ongoing law enforcement investigation of criminal activity that occurred at Sacramento Peak. What kind of criminal activity would that have to be? During that time, said the statement from the Association of Universities for Research in Astronomy, we became concerned that a suspect in the investigation potentially posed a threat to the safety of local staff and residents. For this reason, we temporarily vacated the facility and ceased science activities at this location. Okay, so somebody was investigating there. Officials have said very little about why the observatory near uh, near Almagordo, I guess, Al- Almagordo, was shut down. 
Uh, local law enforcement officials say the FBI was involved in the closure, which the feds have not confirmed or denied. It was our decision to evacuate the facility. This is the this is the the scientist. We made the decision to evacuate the facility. I'm actually not sure when the facility was vacated, but it will stay vacated until further notice. According to the newspaper, Benny House, the sheriff of the county, said the FBI was involved in what he described as an elaborate shutdown process and said the FBI is refusing to tell us what is going on. There was a Black Hawk helicopter. I'm still quoting a bunch of people around antennas and work crews on towers, but no one would tell us anything. Okay, now this goes to a theory that is that is out and seems reasonable that somebody was possibly working for the Russians or this case, the the main theory is the Chinese and they are, they use those antennas and the, the, um, the infrastructure to hack into our governmental systems and be able to ride on the backbone and be able to thwart some of our government systems. That makes sense here. And that would explain a black Hawk helicopter and everything else. I think, He told the Albuquerque Journal his department got a call from folks that work at the laboratory asking if we could send a deputy to stand by while they were evacuating. The CNET noted that the U.S. military built the observatory in 1947 when it realized the sun could interfere with radio communications. The National Science Foundation ran the facility until the 1960s until this year when operation was transferred to Aura and the New Mexico State University. The statement from Aura on Sunday said the observatory was closed. Quote, based on the logistical challenges associated with protecting personnel at such a remote location. Okay. And the need for expedious response from the potential threat. What threat? Aura determined that moving the small number of on-site staff and residents off of the mountain was the most prudent and effective action to ensure their safety. The statement did not explain the criminal activity allegedly discovered at the observatory or mention anything about arrests. It did acknowledge how the lack of communication with the facility was vacated and it was concerning and frustrating for some. However, quoting our desire to provide additional information had to be balanced against the risk that if spread at the time, the news would alert the suspect and impede law enforcement investigation. That risk was one we could not take, said the statement. Well, I think the Black Hawk helicopter might have alerted him too. the observatory's quoting the observatory staff of about nine employees should be back at work this week. And it shouldn't take long for nearby residents to be back in their home. Wait, you not only the facility, but you told everybody that lives nearby they needed to leave their home too what what kind of danger are we talking about this is so weird this is bizarre (laughs) it's a weird story you know it's a lot of times a weird story like this winds up in three weeks without fanfare to have some sort of just, you know, uh, That's what they want you to believe. Right. Some sort of description that makes it a lot more boring. Right? Yes. I mean, this happens often. And you'll find out, okay, well, that kind of makes sense and it wasn't a big deal. Now, of course, the conspiracy theory theorists, and who knows, maybe they're right this time, would say, well, they just, you know, they're just trying to hide it. And maybe that's, you know, who knows. But 
this one I can't even come up with the the legitimate like explanation that makes me think it's not something really bad, right? Like there's not a there's not an obvious to me at least explanation where it's like, oh well, yeah, they really big roach problem, you know? I mean, it was just like ah, they're right. everywhere, and there's crunch, crunch, crunch everywhere you walk, just evacuate the place, <laughs> right? Like it doesn't. There's not that. No, you don't call in a black but hawk for that, right? Unless they're really big bugs, right? And I don't think it's you remember that giant marshmallow man. He's back. Right. <laughs> I don't think it's that either. No, no. I think it is probably something to do with with hacking. White Sands is right there. So it's it's not far from White Sands. But again, I go back to the keys of a Blackhawk. That's not something you just take out for a spin over U.S. Uh, in, in U.S. airspace involved in an operation. Training, sure. Not involved with the FBI. And what kind of threat that was possibly working there, were they not trying to tip off, but they come with a Blackhawk? And what kind of threat could pose a danger to everyone on the mountain? It's just bizarre. I just don't... It just. I don't even think I need to say this. Something's not right. But I will tell you this. I'm actually hoping for the alien thing. Really? Yes, I mm-hmm. am. Because don't you think there is a better chance? Let me ask you. Two scenarios. One. All of a sudden, everybody in Washington starts to make sense. Everybody's like, you know, oh my gosh, where have I been? I'm sorry. I, I don't know. I must have been drinking or I, or I had, uh, you know, some of those Roseanne uh, sleeping pills. And I've just been crazy for a while. <laughs> right. I, I don't know what happened. Okay. And they start to make sense. Is that more likely than aliens invade and they say, people of Earth, we've been observing you and you're beginning to think that mathematics is racist. We're here to control your planet because <laughs> mathematics and science is not racist. <laughs> An alien dictatorship to get rid of our <laughs> that, nonsense. It just basically. says, look, we're just here because we haven't lost common sense. It's what built this ship. And uh, we think you need some help. I think there's a better chance that friendly aliens come <laughs> that are rooted in common sense than anyone in Washington finding it. So you want to buy a home? You want to refinance your home? I highly, re- I highly, highly, highly uh, recommend refinancing your home uh, because interest rates are are going up. Stu, before I get for forget, mm-hmm. yes. did Donald Trump put another two hundred billion dollar tariff yesterday? Just the two hundred billion, though. No, but he um, said if they react, he'll do another. Oh 200- yeah, he'll do more. Uh, and oh of course, they're going to respond as well. The, the, this is not good. The current estimate, by the way. For think of all the hard work that was done on this tax bill, right? I mean, they got yeah, yeah, this yeah, thing yeah. through. It was the, the main legislative accomplishment, yeah. right, of the last two years. Uh, the tariffs have now reversed half of it. Oh my gosh! And that does not include the coming Chinese retribution, which they obviously will fire back at the other side. It's undone half of the tax bill, and by the way, has redistributed it. Right, like I, w- no, it's it's got yeah. I no, mean, it's the worst. This is not, this yeah. is horrible. horrible. This is horrible. Anyway, 
it's not going to if 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 we kill the growth we are going to pay a very high price we're already paying a high price with inflation now if you have an adjustable mortgage uh it's going to be adjusted and it ain't going down refinance right now if you're looking to buy a house the people that you can trust to do the financing are the salary-based employees at American Financing. They're not a bank. They don't work for the banks. They're not selling something the banks want to sell you. They're looking for the best deal for you. They're looking for something that will make your life stable and easier to maintain. It's American Financing. A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau. 1,800 uh, Google reviews already on uh, Google. You can trust them quickly efficiently and helping you decide what the right loan program is for you all can be found now at AmericanFinancing.net. I want you to call them AmericanFinancing.net at 800-906-2440. 800-906-2440. AmericanFinancing.net. American Financing Corporation, NMLS 182334, www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. So, uh, only sixty, only sixty billion dollars hit back so far. So far, uh, China has retaliated against uh-huh. the new tariffs. Feels like a win. Mm-hmm. Feels like a win. You know, again, it's it's by far the worst part of his presidency. Uh, you know, like he, people will complain about things like you know his actions and the way he talks and you know all that, and, and that's we've discussed that. But policy wise, I mean, it, the trade stuff has been a horror show. It's been a horror show. It's by far the worst part of his presidency when it comes to policy, and it he could is, be the thing that that uh, undoes everything. Yeah, it was cut the, again. Half of the tax uh, cuts, the benefits of them, have now been erased. You've raised it in taxes on on people buying things, mm-hmm. uh, and you know we've cost a lot of jobs. We don't know the total number yet, but they are adding up fast. These industries that are affected by these tariffs are getting killed. The, all four favors for you know the chosen one. The government is picking winners and losers. Something we've never liked. These are tax raises on hikes on the American people on the on the by lowest, Republican president. But on the lowest because it is China. Yeah, it's inexpensive. What are you buying goods. it? Yeah, it's the inexpensive goods that you're buying from China. It's the taxes on the lowest. Glenn Beck, Mercury. Hey, it's Glenn, and I want to tell you about something that you should either end your day with or um, start your morning with, and that is the news and why it matters. If you like this show, you're going to love the news and why it matters. It's a bunch of us that all get together at the end of the day and just talk about the stories that matter to you and your life. The news and why it matters. Look for it now wherever you download your favorite podcast. Glenn Beck. Hey, have you found yourself not worrying about enough stuff? I mean, are you are you thinking to yourself, you know what, Glenn? I mean, yes, the world is a mess, but I'm pretty optimistic. Things are looking okay today. I feel pretty good. Well, soon you won't, because I'm here to give you some news about Russia. A Russia military plane shot down over the coast of Syria. Fifteen Russians were killed. The uh, Russian uh, turbo uh, prop plane was conducting electronic reconnaissance when suddenly it it came under attack by what it called at the time, quote, enemy missiles. Okay, that's not good. 
Now, before you start freaking out, we neither did this nor are we being blamed for it. (sighs) Somebody else. I think you can imagine the worldwide freakout uh, that would be ensuing right now if this accident had between, been between the U.S. and Russia, but it wasn't. Just imagine what would be happening right now if one of our planes inadvertently shot down, you know, uh, 15 uh, Russian boys and killed them, or if the situation was reversed. I think we'd be calling for blood. Hopefully that won't happen. But we had nothing to do with this, but that's not the dispute the russians describe this as enemy missiles where where are they coming from well it turns out that russia's plane was actually shot down by their ally the assad regime it was a mistake syrian s-200 battery hit the plane as it was returning to a military base used by the russians in north syria now here's why this is troubling this is where it becomes interesting and perhaps a little bit frightening At the same time the Syrian missiles were taking out Russia's plane, the reason why they were shooting is because four Israeli F-16 fighter jets were striking targets near the Russian base in northern Syria. Russia is livid. They're calling Israel's actions, quote, deliberately, a deliberate and a hostile provocation. Oh, I love it when Russia starts using language. It's so hot. The implication here is that the Israeli jets were masking their position behind the Russian plane, in effect using it as cover to commence their bombing run. But as the Russians are accusing Israel of using one of its planes as cover, Iran is doing exactly the same thing with their forces near the Russian military bases. Russian assets are among some of the most heavily protected areas in Syria. They're the hardest to penetrate. Iranian forces from the Iranian Republican Guard Corps and Hezbollah are basing all of their troops with Russia's approval near Russian bases. It's the perfect protection and security to guarantee for Iran to operate inside of Syria directly on Israel's borders. The downing of this plane is tragic, but it also shows how dangerously close the world is to a world war. The situation in Syria is not sustainable. Iran wants control over Syria, and Russia is helping them do it. Israel knows this and cannot let it happen. This, of course, is maintained. Uh, and if it, if it is, the incident is not going to be the last. If Russia begins actively targeting Israeli jets from striking Hezbollah and Iranian forces... How long do you think Israel will allow that? How long will we allow that? This situation is a powder keg. Anything could set it off. But you know what? You and I, we're not going to do anything about it. We can't do anything about it. So now that you know the information, let it go. Let it go. It's Tuesday, September 18th. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Hello, Stu. Mr. Beck. Welcome to the program. Thank you. I've been here for a couple of hours, but I appreciate your welcome. I didn't even notice earlier, uh, but welcome. I thought you just sat down. (laughs) Uh, It's good. Okay. Uh, I want to give you a story here about uh, the University of Chicago Booth School of Business. There's a couple of economists up there. And uh, they have taught machines to guess a person's income 
political ideology, race, education, and gender based on either their media habits, their consumer behavior, or their social and political beliefs, even how they spend time. Okay, so this is like one of these algorithms you see on social networks, right? Where you could say uh, they're they're taking all of your information, the things you buy, the things you do, Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. trying to figure out maybe what your political leanings are or other characteristics about you. Correct. Now, they just tested this. And uh, they've omitted variables that would have been a dead giveaway. For instance, if, you know, we're predicting whether somebody's liberal or conservative, you can't use the question, oh, what party did you vote for? Right. Okay. Okay. All right. Now, some of the some of the things are obvious um, and some of them aren't. Okay, spending predicts gender, they say, with almost perfect accuracy. Now that's amazing. Now it's not on something. I mean, like, when's the last time you we went? We're at, wait, we're at a time where our genitals don't pr- pr- uh, predict. predict it with perfect certainty, but right. our spending habits can. Yes. Okay. They're saying that women will buy um, aftershave or shaving lotion, uh, but not as much as a man will. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's kind of a little dicey there. But men rarely go out and buy mascara. Okay. Well, that's yeah. okay. Yeah. All right. Again, rarely. Rarely. You're not being judgmental. I know when you say that. Oh no, men who buy mascara, I think they're very manly, and if they want to be manly, or very feminine, if they want to be, you know, the whole thing is fluid, Stu. All makeup uh, ability is equal. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. Um, in the world of television, some of the top ten predictors of whiteness. If you are white. Top 10. Screams you're white. Number one? That's not how you do a countdown. You're doing a countdown. You're starting at number one? Come on, Casey. All right. I know. <laughs> number four. Okay. <laughs> the Kentucky Derby. Okay. Horse racing, I would say. Yeah, maybe. A, a, a whitish sport. Right. Okay. All right. Uh, number three. The Big Bang Theory. <laughs> Yeah, okay. I mean, I can see that. Maybe. I guess, yeah. American Pickers, number two. Hmm. Interesting. People, that's a, that's a strange I don't know one. why. Yeah. I, I don't know why. I, I, again, I wouldn't, you know, there's certain shows that obviously target certain communities, right? Uh, I don't know that American Pickers targets white people, but I don't, I wouldn't say it's targeted as another, it's not like no, a, it's just Americans. Maybe, maybe, not even that. It's yeah. just... You know, the American culture, and maybe that's what it is. Maybe, you know, we look back on, on you know, our childhoods and things with fondness mm-hmm. in culture. Mm-hmm. You know, when they find an old sign of something, we're like, oh, that's cool. Uh, I'm not sure that's the same for the African-American community. Sure. You know, so maybe that's what it is. Number one, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. What? Did you watch Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer? That's the number one well, predictor on I television. Well, it's because you're white. Is it because I'm white? It's because you're white. I mean, I would say it was because... What's the snowman? He's white. Santa, he's, he's white. Well, so is the abominable snowman, however. He's, he's not, yeah, But not this a good positive character. This is an entirely character. white story. Well, most of the beginning, at least. Well, excuse me. Spoiler the alert. abominable... <laughs> <laughs> Spoiler alert. He turns around on that one. You know, the monster <laughs> is the best part of that story. I think Santa's a bigger monster oh, than... Oh, Santa's a jerk in that thing. I hate... <laughs> I'm beginning to hate that thing. I watch it because... Oh, but every time I watch it, I look at my wife and I'm like... How was this ever cool? How was this ever good? I love it. I mean, I love it. 
I absolutely love Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, but it, that is a weird part of it. It's Santa is portrayed in that movie differently than in every other movie about Santa Claus, right? I mean, you know, it's he's he's such he's such a jerk to uh, to Rudolph. He's a jerk to his dad. I mean, his dad. Oh, yeah, the, yeah, the, yeah. It's a Blitzen or Blitzen, Victor, yeah, whatever, whatever it is. Like you know, very dis- hey, you know, hey, you're st- like when he finds out, hey, your kid's got something a little bit different than him. Uh, you should be ashamed of yourself. Is not the way you handle right. that situation, right. Santa. Right. Uh, and uh, he's and really- then when he goes to the elf practice. I mean, here these guys—they're just singing for him. That's all they're yeah. doing is singing for him. And he's like, "I've had enough." Yeah. What a jerk. Yeah, he doesn't. He's he- a bad boss. He's wildly politically incorrect on all the things that I think you should be politically correct on. Mm-hmm. You know, let's be decent to each other. Oh, he's got a red nose. He's a leper. Put him on a colony. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's crazy. Really Send is. him to an island. <laughs> oh. Anyway. And he's not sure. Well, I, I, look, everyone has a bad day. And maybe he had a couple bad weeks. You know, he wasn't going to be able to. He, Christmas was almost like canceled, to, right? I, I, I mean, uh, he was had a lot of stress going on at the time. Maybe give him a break. Certainly, the rest of his his body of work is positive. I would like to see. I'd like to see Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer, the pivot point. I'd like to see the the Santa pivot point. Well, the I'd Santa like pivot, pivot point in, is clear. I'd like the to Santa s- pivot point is once uh, he's a utility to Santa. Once Rudolph can do something for Santa, all of a sudden he's won over. By I know. Him. I know. I, yeah, I mean, they remember. I hate that. I remember the guy, you know, Rudolph is flying better than all of the other reindeer yeah. at this time when they're young. They're doing the reindeer games. He's the one kicking butt. And because his nose is a little different, uh, he gets tossed off to some island with a bunch of misfit toys. It's not right. It's not right. And look, you know, we can look back at history and, and hold this against him forever. I think the statute of limitations probably run out on this case as well. I don't know. Santa, uh, there's a woman that's come out on Santa. Oh, no. Yeah, when Santa was in high school. Oh no! Yeah, what did he? He do? raped her. <laughs> Full <laughs> okay, on that's not, rape. All right. Well, he was young. He was athletic. He, you know, he was, you know. Oh, okay. This is before he started to drink and get fat and everything else. He was a football player, and uh, and he just out and out raped her. Okay. This is sad. This, this is we're getting. The, we've left. Uh, remember the little dolly? That no, no. On let's the, let's on we've the left cute analysis of, uh, of t- TV specialville. That was her. And we've entered into Creepyville. I swear to you, <laughs> I swear to you, Dolly was raped by that fat man. And I know because I'm a Charlie in the box. All right. <laughs> All right I'm just saying. All right. So uh, now here are the here are the top 10 items. Uh, oh, wait, wait, wait. wait. Uh, let me get to this first. So this will tell you if you're white on consumer products. Okay. Okay? You own a pet is number one. That's like Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. If you watched that and you watched it with your pet, you are the whitest <laughs> white man alive. <laughs> That's interesting. Wait, wait. So minorities don't own pets? I, is there a difference in minority I would pet like ownership to hear rates? from, I'd like to, mm, can you look at I'm up? going for it. Uh, now, I said, now, I don't know if this is true or if this was a joke on me. But I had a Jewish friend come over to my house, and I have two German shepherds, and he wasn't happy about that. And I kind of like, I was like, oh yeah, yeah, you know, it's probably pretty, pretty, pretty bad. And I've heard from him, so this is only just him. But he said, yeah, Jewish people don't usually have dogs. We don't like dogs. Now I don't know if that's from the Holocaust or you know from I don't know when, but he said we don't we don't usually have hmm. pets. This is. Uh, I- 
I would say pretty revealing. Uh, the the pet ownership rates, uh, this is at 2011, the most recently available number, by race, ethnic, ethnicity. Um, black, uh, 22% own pets. Asian, 27%. Hispanic, 40% own pets. White, 61%. We just can't It is give a up. white thing, isn't it? We cannot give up that slave thing. Like, we have to release our people. I'm getting a dog. Then I'm getting a dog, and I'm going to put a chain around his neck, okay? Wow. That's what it is. That's deep. I nailed it there. Wow. I think I nailed it there. (laughs) That will be taught in universities all across America within the next 10 days. I I would not be surprised at all if there's a liberal professor who's done that exact rant in front of a class. I I can guarantee you. Why do you think it's three times as high for whites? Because they see these pets as slaves. They can boss them around. They can put them in cages. They can feed them whenever they want. They can it throw them outside in the heat. in the white jeans. Mm-hmm. That's all it is. God, that's definitely... You're going to see that on Huffington Post in about a week. <laughs> <laughs> I think I might have read it about 10 minutes ago on the Huffington Post. Uh, Simply Safe Home Security. Great security system. Fantastic protection. It is easy to use. This is a, this is a company... Don't you love... Don't you love seeing companies... And good people succeed. Oh, I love that. I do too. I love those stories. Yeah, you these know? guys. These are. The, remember when they first started with us? Oh yeah. There was a couple. A few people. Was it five? Yeah, it was five, five people. people. They were nobodies. Now they're billionaires. Well, their company is. Company's worth a billion bucks. That's amazing. That's incredible. Oh, they just had a really good idea and well timed, great product, and something that people get something out of. Something. But that don't they you can... think now that they're successful, we should tear them down? No, I, I'm not. You don't think I don't so? think it's that's a good idea. Yet. I feel like that's Usually a bad idea. Usually when people idea. get, you know, they're successful, we like to see them, but then we like to tear them down. And then when they get to the bottom, we're like, oh, we love a comeback story. Yep. So Just ripping people down and, and building them back. I up. don't know what to do. I'm still on building them up. Okay. Uh, because they've got a they've got a great product and it is simply safe, comprehensive protection for your home, around the clock professional monitoring with police and fire dispatch. You get protection against intruders, fires, leaks, burst pipes, all of it. It works during power outages, downed Wi-Fi. Uh, somebody cuts your telephone line. Somebody tries to smash the keypad. It all still works. It's simply safe. No strings. No wires. No contracts. 24-7 monitoring is only $14.99 a month, and you own the system. So go find your system today. Order at simplysafebeck.com. That's simplysafebeck.com. Do it now. You get 10% off. Simplysafebeck.com. All right, so here's how you decide. Here's how this algorithm is showing uh, if you are white and you own your own home, okay. Uh, in let's just uh, let's go back in time tunnel here for a second. In 1992, a predictor of how people you, you could tell if you're white or black was whether you owned a dishwasher, you owned a shovel, you owned a smoke a smoke and fire detector, you own a pet, own a microwave, own a flashlight. Use suntan or sunscreen products. Owns a handheld elect, uh, uh, electric mixer. Hmm. A lot of these are related to home ownership, too. Yeah, which is yeah, part yeah, yeah. of this difference, I think. So I think you can look at this. Okay, so owns a dishwasher. That's a home. Shovel, home. Smile, a smoke detector, home. Uh, owns a microwave, home. Flashlight, home. Uh, handheld electric mixer, probably home. 
owns a house, uh, owns a hose, home, owns a coffee maker. Yeah, Those were predictors in 1992. Mm-hmm. Now, owns a pet is number one. This, that still blows my mind. Slavery. Get over your white privilege. <laughs> um, owns a flashlight, owns a dishwasher, owns a sport and, and or recreation equipment. Would that include like a basketball or a football? Yeah, I, I guess. Owns glass ovenware. <laughs> owns a gas grill. Owns a smoke and fire detector. Owns an air conditioner. Owns a hot water heater. Owns a built-in dishwasher. A lot of those are just if you own a home. Right. Is it, are white people the only ones taking smoke inhalation seriously? Uh, that's, no, I think, uh, the, I think the key there is own. If yeah, you rent. If you're renting. Then, if you rent, you don't right. really own it. Mm-hmm. And um, obviously the white population's higher in the suburbs and places where home, homes are right. owned rather than city urban areas where uh, minority populations are higher. So these are social attitudes that predict you're white. Okay. In 1976, now listen to this. In 1976, number one predictor that you were white, spending on blacks isn't too little. Isn't too little, little, which is a double. Almost a double Almost kind of like a double So it's not too little. That means it's too, it's not too little. It means that there's no room to grow, I think. It's not too high. I mean, it's not. Right. It's not. Isn't too That's a weird now phrasing I, now of that. I completely. Right? It, yeah. it, 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 it is too little. It would say it you want it higher. higher. So it's not too is little. It you too want little. it lower or the same. Or the same. Okay. okay. Number two, not a Baptist. You're white. 1976. The best predictor. Second best predictor that you were white. You were not a Baptist. Hmm. Number three, not a fundamentalist. Number four, trusts people, believes people are helpful, voted for a GOP presidential candidate, approved of striking uh, of police striking citizens, 63 percent. Approved of police striking citizens? Isn't that a little insane? Well, it's insane because, of course, no one would would want that in a normal everyday circumstance, but everyone would support it if a police officer was being attacked. Right. Right. So I don't know what. Now, think of this. This is 1976. Right. This is Middle 10 of, years right. after the you know police were hosing people down. So that was uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. That was seventh uh, best predictor, and it was 63.3% said, yeah, that's good if you're white. Mm. All right. 2016. What's the number one indicator on social attitudes that says you're white? With 66.6%. Love of mayonnaise? <laughs> no, but that'd no. be products. Okay, this is social attitude. Approve of police striking citizens. That's now number one. What? Number two, own a gun. Favor the death penalty. Own a rifle. Voted GOP. Spending on blacks isn't too little is next. Glenn Beck. Mercury. So today's the day the uh, the book Addicted to Outrage comes out, and I, I urge you to get it and get one for a friend of yours that you think, uh, you know, may not even like me, but, um, you know, is open because they know this is not going to work. Um, and share it and read it together. Uh, it, I wrote the book so it can uh, it it can be disarming enough 
to, you know, appeal to everybody except, you know, probably the hardcore zealot who is just playing for, you know, you know, team marks or, or whatever. Um, and a lot of people have misconstru- misconstrued what I have been leading to, which is this book, as surrender. But I wanted to have somebody on that is the quintessential example of what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is changing the way we make our arguments, basing them in reason and fact, and finding a way that will appeal to the most amount of people. Prager University is that example. Prager University, there's no hyperbole there. There's no craziness. There's no name calling. You don't get angry. Now, the left does, but that's because they've, they've, they've disconnected from reality. But the average person who will watch that, and it's making an impact. Dennis Prager is with us now. Dennis, are you guys up to a billion views yet? Is Dennis That's there? Great question. Uh, you, you don't hear me? Yeah, I do now. Yeah. Hello? Yes, okay, you're, you're on, Dennis. Okay. First of all, it was a beautiful introduction, and I wish you would have continued, because I... <laughs> I'm just reveling in your praise. I, I <laughs> so because uh, you know, coming from you, it's a big deal. But anyway, uh, we have to, we're we're well beyond a billion views collectively. This year, we'll have a billion views. We're now, I think, at about seven hundred million uh, for this year. That's incredible. And when you started this, Dennis, did you have any idea it would be this big? <laughs> Glad I give you my word. Uh, when we started it, if somebody would have said, you will have 10 million views within five years, I would have said, give me a break. Come on. I live in reality. I wrote a chapter in my book on happiness about not having expectations. Give me a break. Right. <laughs> so, so what is the so, so, so why does it work, uh, uh, Dennis? Why does it work, well, do you it, think? It, it actually, you, you actually did summarize it. We... If you give good ideas in a uh, in a totally accessible and rational, I'm, I am in love with reason. Uh, reason is not enough to make a good world. You need God and reason. Uh, uh, God without reason is fanaticism. Reason without God ultimately doesn't just doesn't work. So the two are needed for a good world. My preoccupation since high school is goodness. Uh, it sounds corny. I, I admit it, but uh, I, it, it's just true. That's all. I, I hate evil. Uh, my favorite biblical uh, verse is, those of you who love God must hate evil. I wish every uh, priest, minister, and rabbi quoted it every, uh, every uh, Saturday or Sunday. Uh, but if you make it, just as you said, there's no name-calling here, Dear viewer, are the facts in the most rational and entertaining way we can present it? It apparently uh, is phenomenal, and 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 my other belief is that it's universal. I was invited by young people in Romania to speak this summer, and I went to Romania. Mm-hmm. Fifteen hundred people, mostly young people, who knew English. I, there was no translator came to hear me in two Romanian cities, Bucharest and Cluj, and all, uh, they, only because they view these videos. When you, I mean, you just turned 70, happy birthday, um, uh, you? and you, 
you were I mean, you were appointed by Reagan for the Helsinki Accords. You were there for that. You've seen the world. You've seen the world on the brink of of launching missiles. I mean, I remember that time, Dennis. Uh, I mean, I wasn't obviously I wasn't around in the administration, but outside of the administration, it sure felt like we were close to something either really good or really bad. Now it just feels like we're really close to something really bad. It, would you compare the times? I mean, how, in, in your 70 years of life, where does this fall, what we're experiencing now? what Can you compare it to any other time? Uh, I, I think that the, the crisis in America is the greatest in my lifetime and the greatest since the actual Civil War. Uh, I never engage in hyperbole. I, I, may, I may, like anyone, be wrong. But I took a vow 35 years ago when I started radio that I not only would I try to tell the truth, and I've never been accused of a lie, I am proud to tell you. I've been called every word but, but not liar. And uh, I, I took another vow. Don't even exaggerate because it, it works for about a year, mm-hmm. but it, it gradually people understand, well, he doesn't really mean that. He's just overstating the case. So I am not overstating when I say we are in a civil war in the United States. It is largely, thank God, not violent. I pray it remains not violent. But there, the gap between the left and the rest of the country uh, is tremendous. Uh, I mean, that, that it is now normative. I mean normative in schools not to call children boys or girls because you don't want to impose a gender identity. That is, it is sick to the point of child abuse, but it is normative. We are watching crazy people take our country. So this is the interesting thing, Dennis, that, that I read about in the book, and I don't think the average person understands this. They look at the average Democrat as the problem. The, the average Democrat is not the one coming up with the cisgender normative speak. It is it is the postmodernist Marxist radicals that are really in the institutions of higher education that have formulated this whole system. And now they're just rolling it out. And the Democrats are just going along with it. I think some of them are starting to be a little freaked out by it. Uh, but it, it, it is it's the postmodernist movement that is all about destruction of the Western way of life. There is no. There's no cohabitation here with that philosophy. Yeah, the problem, however, is that the people who don't really believe in it among Democrats, let's say, don't fight it because, and this is this is the tragedy. This is the tragedy. Liberals, with the exception of a guy like Alan Dershowitz, liberals don't understand that their enemy is not conservatives. Their enemy is the left. Conservatives do not want to undo the liberal order. The left wants to undo the liberal order. Yes. Oh, you mean classic liberal? I when you say that. Yes. No. Yes. Even no. Even even the modern liberal. I mean, Alan Dershowitz is. I don't know if he's a classic liberal or a modern liberal. Alan Dershowitz, professor of law at Harvard, lifelong Democrat, Hillary Clinton supporter said to me, it is on film, not just not, not only uh, on, uh, on audio, said to me, Dennis, as an American, as a liberal, as a Jew, I, I don't fear the right. 
I fear the left. Dennis, I, I have had people. I, I just had, uh, I had dinner last night with somebody that would shock you. Um, and privately said exactly the same thing and is wondering how to present this so he's not just destroyed uh, by his own friends and his own side. I mean, there are people that are coming out. I've had people tell me this over and over again. I'm more afraid of our side than your side now because my side's unleashed. They're just every all standards are changing overnight and you have to adopt 100 percent or you're destroyed. Well, that's right, because all leftism is totalitarian. There's never been an exception. They, you are either totally with us, or if you deviate, uh, you need to go to a re-education camp. We allow, see, we allow people who deviate in, among conservatives. Our yes. tent is gigantic. Uh, it, their tent is, is you, you, if, you, if you say there are only two genders, you're a bigot. That's, that's the, it's the end of the issue. So, uh, you, you know that there are, do you know that there are girls, uh, teenage girls, I mean, and even in the early teenage years, who have their breasts removed because they think they're boys? I think this is... Why is that not mutilation? It totally, is. totally. It is. When, you're turning, when you turn 18, you know, you do what you want, I mean, whatever. Uh, but, uh, you know, when you are before you have settled and I don't even know if 18 is is young enough to mutilate your body like that. Uh, I mean, studies are showing now that that already some of these kids who are doing this, the suicide rates going through the roof because they're changing. That's what they feel at 13. That's not what they feel at 18. Right. Changing. Johns Hopkins. Johns Hopkins University was the leader in sex change surgery and they yep. abandoned it. They eventually abandoned it. And Johns Hopkins University. Go ahead. Go ahead. The Johns Hopkins University was was is the progressive hospital. It was built based on, you know, all of the universities over in Germany. They were the they were the first one that brought all of this stuff uh, over here is Johns Hopkins, uh, Johns Hopkins University. It's a progressive uh, uh, university that that is is hard left in its origins as you can possibly get. I didn't know about its origins. I, I've certainly known that it's on the left, but that's almost redundant with regard to any university today. Yeah. yeah. By the way, I wish it were only confined to universities. When President Trump said in Warsaw that we need to protect Western civilization, he was attacked by the New York Times editorial board. I know. See, these people don't just dominate the universities and now the high schools. They also dominate the media. To to say, you know, I'm more uh, concerned. I'm more concerned. I'm more concerned about the new media, Dennis, on what they're doing to people like you. How many videos have have been uh, have been banned from Prager University? Well, that that's another story. It's actually restricted. In other words, uh, YouTube, owned by Google has taken about 80 of our 340 videos. We, they're all five-minute videos, just for your, for your listeners who don't know, uh, and they come out every week. And, and you know, have, you found a, uh, they, have you found a pattern in yeah. the ones that have been banned or, or restricted? Have yeah, you found a pattern? A very, it's a, uh, there are two patterns. One is if, if it, it well, here, 
here are almost guarantees. If it speaks about how wonderful the United States is, if it defends Israel, or if it's critical of, of Islamist thought, then it's almost definitely going to be restricted. Uh, uh, beyond that, it is completely random. I, I mean, when, uh, you know, Victor Davis Hansen, who was about as soft-spoken a professor as exists in, in, uh, in the world today, gives a course on uh, in five minutes on the Korean War, it goes on the restricted list. I mean, folks, crazy. people need to understand the restricted list is supposed to be for pornography and violence. Alan Dershowitz gave a, a legal defense of Israel, and that, that was put up on the uh, on the restricted list. Dershowitz. That's what's so crazy. Dennis, i got to run. Thank you so I much. Uh, Dennis Prager, uh, you can follow friend. him at, you bet, DennisPrager.com, uh, Prager University. Uh, I wanted to have him on today because this is really the approach of the book that I'm putting out. It's not a surrender. It's not anything. It's It's how do we fight this? We have to fight this in a different way. Prager University is a great example of that. It works. It works. Back in just a second. I want to tell you a little bit about Goldline. Goldline, I've been telling you about their uh, new Maple Flex card, which, which breaks off into smaller pieces for barter and trade. But don't forget about the importance of small gold bars as well. And I mean really small gold bars. They're like, you know, tenth of an ounce. When it comes to protecting ourselves and our families, our portfolios, we have to make sure somebody has something left. Uh, if you look at what is happening with inflation, you look at what's now happening with trade. Yesterday, we went and put another $200 billion in China. We got another $267 trillion that are, a billion that are coming. This is, not, this is not going to end well. It's just not. So what happens when uh, people start to flee from the dollar? I asked Goldline to create smaller bars of gold and silver that people could carry with them in case of a you know, you know horrible event. In addition to considering the new Silver Maple Flex, remember Goldline also has the exclusive credit card size holder containing five individually sealed tenth of an ounce gold bars, which are also minted by the Royal Canadian Mint. Legal tender, gold and silver, things go horribly, you'll be protected. You owe it to yourself to find out if this is right for you. Goldline, learn more about these gold and silver bars by calling 866-GOLDLINE or going to uh, goldline.com. Call them right now. They're good people that are waiting for your phone call at 866-GOLDLINE. 866-GOLDLINE or goldline.com. Welcome back to the program. Good question from a listener at World of Stew, uh, at Glenn Beck on Twitter. Uh, when does Addicted to, Addicted to Outrage come out? I can't remember. Um, and that that's is a great so weird. question. It's today. It's today. Have we not mentioned that today? We haven't mentioned it yet, but okay. I, mean, I wanted to make sure people got that right. because it is out today. All right. Uh, and people need to know You know, I'm, I'm available. I'm, here's, here's one of the things. Uh, we're beating it so hard because uh, we are not going to use mainstream media. Because I don't believe that a four-minute interview where they're yelling at you for three and then say in the last 20 seconds, so tell me about your book. Oh, it's on sale today? Great. It doesn't do anything. And I don't want to be a part of that. So we're doing all digital media. Um, and Talk radio. And talk radio. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if it, can, if it can be, you know, top three with all digital media, that says something. We, you don't need, you do not need the mainstream media at all they are clueless they don't know what's happening uh in the world 
And uh, it's a nice signal to send, I'll say. We complain about the media a lot, but uh, you know, showing the power, I think, is an interesting way of uh, yeah. demonstrating we just really don't even need them anymore. And you know what? It's if if I'm going to tell you stop, stop with the media, then I have to do the same thing. Dismiss them. They're old and outdated. Addicted Glenn outrage available Beck. everywhere today. Mercury.